Live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night, 8 p.m. on the East Coast. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's here. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Amorati's off tonight. No slick Rick tonight. That's a not used to him not being here. I know. And our ratings just plummeted. Got to some. The <laughs> <laughs> He's got some business to take care of. Geo Fran here, as always, holding it down. So lots to do tonight. We have the. Um, well, the house had their shot at Millie and the, the boys today, so we'll get to some of that. Matt Gates was fire. Liz Cheney is an embarrassment. Liz Cheney is such an embarrassment. She's like one of those people that, like, you just um, she's um, uh, her, her attempt today to make this about January sixth and about herself and just a just a whiny little God Almighty. She's just pathetic. She is pathetic. Uh, a couple of representatives who weren't pathetic were Jim Banks, uh, Representative Waltz from Florida, Mike Johnson, uh, Representative Bacon was good too. Uh, but I'll tell you this, the guy who chaired this, Smith, I think his name is, from Washington, Washington State. Oh, my God. It, it just, it, it was just, he was like at every turn he could. He was like uh, yeah, him, Adam Smith. As he dabbed that name, Adam Smith, the great economist that helped forge this nation. Yeah. Uh, he, let me tell you, he's, not, he's neither great nor an economist. He's an apologist. God, he looks like Mr. Burns from uh, yes. The Simpsons. Yes. Excellent. He couldn't <laughs> jump quick enough all day today to defend Joe Biden. Couldn't jump quick enough, as you'll see in some of these clips. Like, a, like the kid who like, just... Like he's getting paid per compliment? Yeah, it was, it was almost like the, the kid who opened up his lunchbox and it was like he realized he only had three cookies and you had four wait, 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 wait a minute wait, wait a minute wait a minute i mean he couldn't get to it quick enough to, to try to defend what biden said to little georgie i mean it's unbelievable i know most of you probably had dinner before the show so i hate to say i'd show you cheney because you may not be able to keep it down but i've got her too i mean she's just an embarrassment i don't maybe she's just given up obviously that she's going to lose big big time yeah, but they'll stuff her in some kind of a role, right? They'll stuff her in the FDA. They'll put her, you know, they'll put her somewhere. Yeah, well, she's she's got a she's, she's got, got a, a lifetime job, job right. She's now, got a lifetime job of politics, making a ton of money and insider well, trading. We'll see. On top we'll, of her trillions. Of- <laughs> well, maybe she could do that outside the government, but I mean, just enough of her. Rhinos out, please, just out. Get them all out. I, I, this is how pathetic it is. You think to think about the? You th- I'm thinking about the uh, this bill. And how they're going to try to pass anything in the Senate. And I'm trying to think to myself, all right, who are the most pathetic Republicans that you know they can get votes from? They need 10. Okay, Romney, Collins, Murkowski, mm-hmm. Cheney. Uh, well, not Cheney. She's not, uh, I'm trying to think of how many senators, they, how many pathetic senators there are for them to get to 10. Although it's, it seems like Manchin still is going to be uh, the thorn, a thorn in the side of um, Biden. And um, Saki and everybody else. Manchin put a statement out tonight, again, on infrastructure and reconciliation. And uh, here's what he said. Every member of Congress has a solemn duty to vote for what they believe is best for the country and the American people, not their party. Respectfully, as I've said for months, I will not support $3.5 trillion more in spending when we've already spent $5.4 trillion since last March, and again, it's not 3.5, it's probably 5.5. At some point, all of us, regardless of party, must ask the simple question, how much is enough? 
What I have made clear to the president and the Democratic leaders is that spending trillions more on new and expanded government programs when we can't even pay for the essential social programs like Social Security and Medicare is the definition of fiscal insanity. Suggesting that spending trillions more will not have an impact on inflation ignores the everyday reality that American families continue to pay an unavoidable inflation tax. Proposing an historic expansion of social programs while ignoring the fact that we are not in a recession and that millions of jobs remain open will only feed a dysfunction that could weaken our economic recovery. This is a shared reality that we now all face, and it is the reality that must shape the future decisions that we as elected leaders must make. Since the beginning of this reconciliation debate, I have been consistent in my belief that any expansion of social programs must be targeted to those in need, not expanded beyond what is fiscally possible. Our tax code should be reformed to fix the flaws of the 2017 tax bill and ensure everyone pays their fair share, but it should not weaken our global competitiveness or the ability of millions of small businesses to compete with the Amazons of the world. Overall, the amount we spend now must be balanced with what we need and can afford, not designed to re-engineer the social and economic fabric of this nation or vengefully uh, for the tax or vengefully tax for the sake of wishful spending. In August, I recommended we take strategic pause to provide time to develop the right policies and to continue how to monitor how the pandemic and economic factors are affecting the nation's fiscal situation before we spend any more. Throughout September, I have made it clear to all those who would listen the need to means test any new social program so we are helping those in need who need it the most, not spend for just the sake of spending. While I am hopeful that some common ground can be found that would result in in another historic investment in our nation, I cannot and will not support trillions in spending or an all-or-nothing approach that ignores the brutal fiscal reality that our nation faces. There is a better way, and I believe we can find it, if we're willing to continue to negotiate in good faith. If there's one final lesson that will continue to guide me in this difficult debate ahead, it is this. America is a great nation, but great nations throughout history have been weakened by careless spending and bad policies. Now more than ever, we must work together to avoid these fatal mistakes, so that may, we may fulfill our greatest responsibility as elected leaders and pass on a better America to the next generation. That from Manchin tonight. And uh, there's a lot in that that you, you can agree with. A couple things that you probably can't, but, um, you know, if the Democrats think they're going to send Joe Biden and Kamala Harris down to West Virginia and somehow they're going to pressure uh, Joe Manchin into thinking that he can get he can be unseated down there. He's very popular for reasons like this, and the the people of West Virginia that he represents side with this statement. I'll bet you by an overwhelming majority, who see what this Demo- this version of this Democratic Party is trying to do to this country, and overwhelmingly will support this move. I don't know what the polling shows. I'm sure Mr. Manchin knows what it is. But it is fiscal insanity. And, what, and, and really, it's amazing that uh, there's no one else in his party that thinks this, other than him and Kristen Sinema, I guess. I haven't heard any statements from her. Well, I, I'm sure there are others. They're just, uh, you know, they're not brave enough to say anything because they know they got to fall in line or else, you know, their funding gets cut and they don't get their, their, 
you know, their their uh, pockets filled with cash. So you know, they got to keep their mouths shut and and, and march in line. The uh, Saki was actually asked a question in the briefing room today um, from somebody. I don't know if we have that clip, G, about the fact that um, has Joe Biden lost reality and and lost touch with the progressives <laughs> of this part? Have they as the party moves so hardcore AOC and the squad left that maybe he went into this not realizing uh, how hard is it? Eighty eight. All right, let's let me let's see this 88 roll that. Does this president have difficulty relating to or, or, or understanding the demands of the progressives in the Democratic caucus? Or do the people around this president who may have served with him in the Senate have difficulty relating to progressives and understanding their needs and concerns? Well, I would tell you that I think there's a fair number of people who might consider themselves quite progressive uh, in this administration. Also, what the president proposed, the bill, the basis of the Build Back Better agenda, I think any member of the Progressive Caucus would tell you, is an incredibly progressive bill and proposal. It includes a historic investment in uh, our addressing our climate crisis, oh. a historic investment in lowering the cost of child care, elder care, community college, pre, uh, universal Free. pre-K. Free. Those are incredibly bold and progressive ideas that are also very popular among the American people. Okay, hold on uh, right there. So I think whoa, that... that, that, whoa. that <laughs> A lot of what she said there is uh, right. That's exactly what they want to do. They want to, uh, the Green New Deal, they want to kill the economic system, kill the jobs. Um, but what she just said, it is not popular. As a matter of fact, I just came across, actually, I think it was a Democrat. Uh, who was it? Chris Hayes, maybe from MSNBC. Somebody just posted a poll that shows um, that it's not popular. This 3.5, specifically that number of spending, is not popular amongst the American people overall. It's not popular. It may be popular if you're trying to out-progressive Obama or the most progressive. Joe Biden's trying to go down in history as the most progressive, which is the only thing that guides him. That's his leading star to out-progressive all the progressives ever. Then that, that may be popular with the, with the small a uh, group of people in his party that that represents that far out into the into wackyville but doesn't it's not popular with joe manchin it's not popular with cinnamon like rick said there's probably a handful of others it's not popular with which is why the media asked her this question and of course she has no good answer let let me hear the rest of that g <clears throat> That kind of tells you uh, how aligned the president is with a number of the uh, progressive uh, members' uh, objectives. But in this moment where he needs their support for his other priorities that have already passed the Senate, how how is he working to cajole them, twist their arms, trade horses? Is, <laughs> is, he, is he having difficulty getting that done? I don't think that's an accurate depiction of what's happening right now. Uh, and again, I'd just point to the con the comments of Congresswoman Jayapal on television. Everybody knows here, and we can convey to the American public accurately, that what's happening here is the progressive members of the Progressive Caucus want to have an understanding of the path forward on the reconciliation package. They have stated that publicly. You know why? Because they think it's a historic progressive package that will have make bold changes into uh, addressing our climate crisis, into lowering costs for the American people, bringing more women back into the workplace. They want to know uh, that there are going, is going to be a support for that uh, package moving forward in the Senate and that it will get passed. That's, what hap that's what's happening right now. The role the president is playing is working to get 50 votes in the Senate. That's a role it sounds like they're happy to have him play.
Yeah, and it also sounds like they don't have it. It also sounds like they don't have it. And it's not popular. And even people who voted for Biden, if you, if you put them in a room by themselves and said, no one will hear your answers, and you said, are you up for uh, the destruction of our economic system, our fiscal, uh, are you in support of this fiscal insanity? Are you in support of taxing the middle class? Are you supportive of the inflation you're seeing in the, uh, in the grocery stores, at the, at the pump, and everything else you're seeing? It's not popular with anybody. No, 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 nobody could, could be for what this bill tries to do. Unless, again, you're the AOC, out-progressive, the progressive wing of the party, which it, it is absolutely growing. It's more out of control now than the party's ever been. But there's still a decent number of people who they may not say it like Rick said, but they look at this and go, oh, my God. Brett Stevens in the New York Times today. Mansion and cinema should just say no. This is Brett Stevens. Now, I, I, I read the article, so I understand the angle of what he's trying to say. What he's trying to say is if they were to pass this, they'd absolutely get so crushed in the midterms, there'd be no party left. So he's trying to be sly and cute by saying they should just say no. If I have time, I'll get to that article, but... All right, just getting started, though. We'll get to the hearings from today. Gates was fire. Um, Representative Bacon was excellent. And you'll see uh, Adam Smith, little apologist for the president, jumping in. Wait, 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 wait. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's here. He's going to do some news coming up. Rick Delgado's here. Gio Franz here. Rick Amorati's off tonight. Um, so we got a couple crazy towns to get to. The second one's short, but it's 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 um, it's not Maxine Waters, so don't get too excited. But it is really close to exactly <laughs> why Crazy Town was originally um, thought of. Short, quick, sweet, to the point. Crazy Town. Absolute Crazy Town. Uh, but this one's good, too. Pelosi, let's go live to Madame Tussauds. Pelosi on <laughs> Biden's bill. Roll it, G. I spent a good deal of time in the meeting talking about the debt ceiling because we have to get that done. It'd be like $15 trillion in household wealth would go down the drain. Unemployment would go up to 9%. Uh, it, it would double. It would be uh, increased interest on car loans, credit card bills, mortgages, anything you're paying interest on. So this is something that has to be done. The fact that the Republicans uh, are being so irresponsible is no surprise, but nonetheless disappointing as always. Not about a dollar amount. The dollar amount, as the president said, is zero. Oh my God, this bill will be paid for. Oh God. <laughs> That's the white supremacy. Though? Oh, my God. Holy she, cow. That was the biggest racist symbol from <laughs> that hit. Oh. Th that looked like the Seinfeld episode where Jerry can't date the beautiful model because she had man hands. <laughs> she just cracked the lobster claw open. Look at, look at that. Look at, that. Look, at that. Look, at that. look at the demented, twisted eyes. Welcome to Madame Tussauds. Wow. Oh, my God. She looks like she's summoning the devil. Yeah. Or about to smoke the end of a tiny roach. Before we do, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna burn this. Before we do, um, before we do, Paul with the news. Just it's, it's a perfect lead-in. So let me just let me just jump in here because I went back because I this happens all the time with the debt ceiling, 
And I remember listening to the great one, Mark Levin, on his show one night. And I went back and pulled the transcript of what he said, because I knew this comes up all the time. Because the Democrats frame this in such a way, and of course the media goes out and promulgates it and just pushes it like it's fact. So here's what Levin said when breaking this whole, what actually happens. And he says, folks, seems like a few years I have to do this every few years because the propaganda that comes from the media and the Washington politicians and the parasites who feed off the government spending and debt, that if we don't raise the debt ceiling and raise it immediately, the government will default. Now, what does it mean when the government defaults? How does the government default? What has to happen for the government default? Does anyone actually know? For the government to default, that means that the government does not pay its debt obligations. Under the 14th Amendment, Section 4, it says, quote, the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion shall not be questioned. So first and foremost, the first penny the federal government receives is to go to paying down the debt, the principal and the interest. That's at the front of the line, the principal and the interest. If the government fails to pay the principal and the interest, then it will default. Why would it fail to pay the principal and the interest when there's plenty of money? Even if the government shuts down, there's hundreds of billions of dollars available still to pay the principal and the interest on the debt. That is the debt service. It's like the states. If states fail to pay the principal and interest on their debt, they go bankrupt. They default. We're not talking about that when we have this discussion. We're talking about funding government programs. So they talk about funding the government. There's funding government programs and there's paying the debt service. Two different things, two completely different things. The 14th Amendment compels the federal government first and foremost to pay the debt service. That is the principal and the interest on the debt. It does not compel the federal government to spend enormous sums of money on domestic spending or what have you. Now, understand how this works. Come a date in September, they will tell us that, and that's where we are now, they will tell us that we've run out of money. I, we've already heard Janet yell and say it. Not only out of hard currency, real money, but we have borrowed and borrowed and borrowed, and we can't even borrow more money unless Congress raises the debt ceiling and authorizes itself to borrow more money. Now, why is it borrowing more money? Question mark. It is borrowing more money to pay the principal and interest on the debt? No, that's not why they're borrowing more money. It's borrowing more money to pay for Obamacare, to pay for infrastructure, to subsidize this group and that group, to pay grants to this group or that group, to redistribute wealth, and on and on and on. In other words, they're not raising the debt ceiling to pay the principal and interest on our debt. There's raising the debt ceiling. They're raising the debt ceiling to continue to propagate spending. It's very important, he says, I, I have to explain this every couple of years, so when Mitch McConnell says over and over and over again, and now Paul Ryan uh, says over and over again that the fraud that the American media repeats, the American people begin to believe this big lie. It is just that. It doesn't make any sense. New federal spending begins on October 1st. New federal spending begins on October 1st. If the debt ceiling isn't raised, it doesn't in any respect endanger our ability to pay the principal and interest on the debt. Now, that day could come, 
but it is not anywhere near yet. The day could come, but it's not here yet. They have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars to pay the debt service. What they will not have is an open checkbook, an open-ended bank account to pay for massive government programs. That's why they're trying to scare the hell out of you. They don't care about the federal debt. Have they showed any concern whatsoever about the federal debt? They don't want to deal. They, they do not want to deal with propagate out of control, massive federal spending that's driving up the debt. They don't want to deal with it, and they sure as hell don't want to deal with it in September. And they think it's a political disaster if they actually have to start eliminating programs or cutting programs, eliminating departments or cutting agencies or eliminating them. That's what they don't want to do. It has nothing to do with paying our debt. Zero. So I thought that was good to go over because, again, this is we're getting this again right now. Janet Yellen out there, oh, I don't pay. It's going to be this, uh, Nancy Pelosi in that crazy town. It's going to be wherever she came up with that $15 trillion of household wealth vanished and all this other nonsense about this debt ceiling. That's not what it's about. So that's what it's about. Right. So, so it's almost like, uh, you know, the, the friend or the family member that comes to you is like, ah, oh, you know, I'm short this month. Can you hook me up? Uh, I, I got, you know, I got to make sure the kids eat. I got to make sure the house gets paid for. I got to pay the pay the light bill. And then you, you front the front the person a couple grand. And all of a sudden you find out they went on vacation. Because they spent that money on vacation. They could pay their bills, but they 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 want to really go on vacation, and do other things. So that's what you're saying. That's basically what what they're trying to scare us with. That we can't pay for things going forward. Well, that that we won't be able to go on vacation because you know uh, nothing's getting paid. We need more money. You need to raise the debt ceiling. We need to we need to borrow more. Right, but they're not telling right. you they're going right. on vacation. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Then you find out your buddy went on vacation for like two weeks and spent all your money that you gave him. Yeah, well, something like that. <laughs> So I'm just like trying, to, trying to make it relatable. Well, yeah, I mean, but the, a lot of people don't know the 14th Amendment part of it where the actual right. debt and interest it's, is it's, first in line. It's such a disaster. Not this whole new programs gi- for right. Pelosi. It's a giant gr- world-class Ponzi scheme. That's all it is. It's just a giant Ponzi scheme. It's all it is. It's it. I don't know. It's, it's just it's frightening. It's just frightening. I, I, and I hate that I know about it because I wake up at like sometimes in the middle of the night, you know, the old bladder, you're like, the hell's going to collapse. But it, you know, like, that's that's the mental problems I have. I wish I didn't know. I wish ignorance is bliss. I really wish I was a Democrat right now. Yeah. If you were a liberal, you would think everything is great. Honky dory. Government's going to tuck me in. Right. Free college. Woo. Yay. I get candy in college. (laughs) (laughs) I live from Studio 6P on a Wednesday night. More to do. We're back after this. We'll get to the hearing. Do some news. More intimately, even uh, to address the full Obama agenda of building back better with. All 
right, red alert. Put him on screen, G. Just put it up. Put the shot up now. I mean, well, look at this. This guy tells me he's off tonight. Tells me he's not going to be on the show. So I, I open the show. I tell everybody you're not here. We've planned the show out with no sports. And here you come walking in in between segment two and segment three. Explain yourself. Well, you know what? A lot of tweets from a lot of dear friends, Diane Lewis, Bobby Keast, everybody's tweeting me. I said, you know what? I better come back on the show tonight. I can't take the night off. So I'm here. I'm here to sit in and support my boys on LFS6B. Damon and the crew. So you were bullied. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? No, right? I was bullied. He was tweet bullied. Delgado, are you with me here? Yeah, he it was tweet Paul. bullied. Paul, are you with me? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, Paul. Paul's got my back. So you were you were tweet bullied into... We can't do the show without him. Look at that outfit. Yeah, How far? I mean, he yeah looks, that's I mean, a really great outfit. I, I, I don't think I'm he's a... ever worn that before here. I had an event tonight, Big D. I, I, you know, I, mean, I had, I, I had, had an event tonight. Anxiety. What were you playing? Bass for Earth, Wind, and Fire? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you look like a pink sherbet truck crashed in with a. I mean, <laughs> he, he what, was he, what was the event you were at? Well, we had, a, yeah, we had a fundraiser. It's a network it was, event. It was, called fans, it was right. called Fans Only, Naughty Housewives <laughs> of Smithtown. <laughs> I, I, I missed you guys. I had, to, I had to be here tonight. So Now, you Damn. know, the 6B in that. And that bucket hat in front of you matches almost. Yeah, you're right. Well, if you didn't drop it, it <laughs> almost would uh, almost match that outfit. Well, Damon, is, uh, I, I don't think you should give him well, a hard time. There it is. Looks good too. I'm in. I'm ready. Okay. Well, we won't be doing sports tonight, so you're welcome to sit in on the show as if oh you. Oh my were. god! But we've already planned the show out with. And no that sports. matches too. That, that yeah. does Perfect. match. Yes, so. it's an honor to be here, guys. So I'll oh let you do You know what? He I'm looks like he should be selling like ice cream cones in Harlem. You can't give him a hard time. Though. No, I'm not giving him a hard. Give him you know, a hard time. You know, I love when people write me, giving me a hard time about the fact that they actually think I'm giving any of you a hard time. Like, yeah. they just, like they <laughs> yeah, think like it's that like that doesn't happen. But right, if they knew off the set, David, what do you, hey, what, David, what do you think of this? I don't give an f. I'm tired. Exactly. Take that video and... <laughs> I mean, this Look. is a big family here on set. Might be the Manson family, but don't get it twisted here. What? Look, Rick is You're a not... man of the people. That's it. He responded to the people, which is why he showed up today. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Okay, good. I'm glad you're here, Rick. Someone just told me, Paul, I don't like it when you're not on the show. You bring the show the like the angry fatherly, <laughs> the, the grand, old grandpa, like we got to yell at us for not paying attention or something along those lines. Valerie, I got to read that quote because okay. I just I almost spit my coffee out. Sounded like a good one. Yeah, um, so I'm fine. The number. Do you want to do some news here, Paul, or do I you? I do. Uh... Okay. I do. This is a really sad story. Uh, well, this is should me- I introduce you, or are you just going to jump right nah, in? No, Lord, everyone knows who I am. All right, go ahead. All 13 viewers know. Okay, He's got go his ahead. own jug now. What are you talking about? Yes. All right. Ball okay. jugs on Twitter. Um, Has more followers than me. Doing well, yes. <laughs> no one's got worse Twitter game than I do. I'm the heck with Dorsey. And the real Prince doll on Twitter is also doing very well. Yeah. Yes, so. Prince. Well, I'm going to sue for copyright infringement. I no, think. you're not going to do anything. You know what kind of effort that would take? I'm not doing yeah. that. <laughs> um, so in Orlando, Florida, a former Notre Dame professor who routinely attacked unvaccinated people as selfish passed away after she received her third COVID vaccine. This is very sad. 67-year-old Karen Croak Heisler 
um, received her Pfizer COVID jab on January 13, 2021. And she posted on Twitter, uh, just got my first dose of the vaccine, never been happier to be old. Now let's get these vaccines rolling for everyone. And on, she, uh, on April 9th, Heisel tweeted that she had zero side effects after receiving her second Pfizer jab. Then, as you know, she's chronicling her... Uh, her, her progress uh, earlier this month, Heisler tweeted about she got a third. Jo- I just received oh. my third COVID vaccine. She tweeted on September 7th. What does that mean? Meaning a booster? Yeah, a booster. She got a booster on the 7th. A week later, Heisler started to have complications and cursed the unvaccinated. She tweeted, so still waiting to see a doc, although they have run tests. Still no room in the hospital or in the ER bay. Um, PA announcement just said the ER could not accept more patients. This is a big hospital. Damn the unvaccinated. They have made life hell for a lot of people. Heisler said then said her cardiologist admitted it to the hospital, but there's still no rooms because of COVID. She said, welcome to the reality of the COVID crisis in Florida. My cardiologist tried to admit me in the hospital, but there are no rooms. Get the damn vaccine. About uh, two weeks after her third jab, she passed away. And according to her obituary, she died of a cancer-related complications. So um, this is a pretty sad story. And uh, while she's cursing the unvaccinated, the vaccine apparently had a huge effect on her death. And she's now survived by her husband and two sons and a sister. So, so what was the end up cause of death was what? They said it was cancer related, but they uh, it's evidence that there were complications from her third jab. She was instantly sick after it and she was hospitalized and she's blaming the unvaccinated for her death in her in her death. So um, be very careful. Are we on YouTube right now? No. Okay, so I could tell this that story. I think I'm not sure because <laughs> uh, in other news, just the news is uh, re- YouTube. Yeah, YouTube has decided that they're not going to allow any channels or video. Fran, what's the exact um? What was the exact got, ruling uh, they came down with today? I believe it's they're not going to allow any channels or videos that are willingly spouting misinformation about any uh, authorized or approved vaccination, regardless of what the vaccine is for. It could be COVID, could be measles, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If it's been approved, you can't make stuff up about it and put it out there like it's real. And where was that story from, Paul? Uh, this is from Just the News. Uh, that was from uh, Gateway Pundit. And uh, that's why I did it, just because I was going to lead into the YouTube says it'll po- uh, be banned posts uh, from prominent anti-vaccine act- activists in an effort to purge misinformation. Uh, it said Wednesday the platform is banning several prominent anti-vaccine act- activists from its platform as part of an effort to remove content that falsely claims the approved vaccines are dangerous. And among those are Dr. Joseph McCullough, who I think is very, I've been a fan of his work for 15 years and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And uh, YouTube uh, made the announcement. And uh, as Fran said, it also includes vaccines that cause autism, cancer, infertility, or other, um, you know, uh, vaccines that contain trackers like uh, those, uh, the chloro, um, you know, the metals that are in the uh, vaccine. So, so is YouTube saying that none of this stuff happens? They're saying you can't discuss it. Right. They're Which the I arbiter- feel safer right they're, away. They're the arbiters of science now. I saw that yeah, Adam... Don't um, follow the science, right? right? Follow the scientist that they like. Right. right. And I saw that Adam um, Schiff, who's one of the um, biggest totalitarians in the um, Democratic Party, more and more so, applauded this move. And, and thinks that it's just the first step. It's not enough. We need Facebook, he said. Now where's Facebook and Amazon and where's, where are all these other ones stepping up as well to make sure we um, 
we just get rid of everything that doesn't agree with them. So I noticed that today as well. All right, what else, Paul? Well, border agents um, to be fired for refusing COVID jab as illegals pour in without vaccine. This is from Just the News as well. Um, <laughs> border, border agents who have devoted their careers protecting the U.S. now face termination if they refuse to get the COVID-19 vaccinations by November, even as Biden administration refuses to mandate vaccinations for those entering illegally. Uh, Jim Jordan and Tom McClintock sent DHS Secretary Alejandro uh, Mayorkas a letter Tuesday expressing incredulity that the Biden administration will allow COVID-positive illegal aliens to surge across the border, but will terminate a dedicated law enforcement officers who do not comply. And um, they write, the Biden, crotus, uh, the Biden border crisis continues to worsen as illegal aliens stream, uh, stream across the southwest border as a result of President Biden and their radical immigration policies. Hmm. As the brave, um, you know what I wanted to say, really just as the brave men and women of the U.S. Border Patrol work tirelessly to respond to the administration's manufactured border crisis. I just figured I should have added that in because this is just psychotic. I mean, it just doesn't stop. What you have going on in New York, as we've discussed, is uh, psychotic with the governor firing uh, frontline workers now and then complaining that the hospital, you know, putting the hospitals at a, sort, a shortage of help. Meanwhile, they're telling us that this pandemic is overrunning hospitals. Um, there's an article I have today in National Review. Governor Kathy Hochul is one weird duck. <laughs> if I have time, I'll get to that. It's not high on the list of things to get to because she's insane. What's Was she out preaching is- again? Well, no, she wasn't preaching or calling for her apostles to oh. follow her or wearing her vaccine uh, necklace like she does, but... I mean, this is uh, who is who wrote this. Obviously, Michael Brendan Doherty has realized or noticed what we, well Stevie Wonder's noticed it. I mean, she's just <laughs> she's just out there. She's worse. I think we can safely say now she's not abusing other adults. She's abusing children, and I guess now she's abusing adults. But she's worse than Cuomo. I mean, am I, am I, is that a stretch or is that? Uh, you know what? Cuomo's got some death on his hands. She, I don't think she's got death yet, but okay. I know the potential is there. She, she looks like she's really she, gunning for it. Yeah. She, um, <laughs> you know, if she really applies herself. She right. can kill people by the end she of the could, month. She could do it before the end of the year. No doubt. Okay. And, so she, along right. with her, 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 uh, her COVID rosary that she's walking around with. Yeah. All right, so she's not as bad as him yet, but she's yeah. well on her way. Yeah. For freshmen, she's, I mean, she's having a stellar first year. Oh, yeah, she's okay. out of the gate. Okay. Um, well, I forgot what I was saying. So what, what was I talking about before that? See, this is, I mean, I'm just, just, just losing it. Um, what were we talking about, Paul? We were talking about the uh, border agents and the... Oh, yeah, so insane. I saw videos today, speaking of that, of police officers, sergeants who are turning in their badge... Who were doing videos from their patrol cars? They can't. Um, they got to hang on. They just got to hang on and fight because what they're doing is they're getting rid of the patriots and they're replacing them with, you know, with psychotic puppets who believe in the jackboot thuggery of uh, of this administration. Those guys have to hang on, man. They can't quit on us. Yeah. Look, look at what's going on in Australia. They, they've got a bunch of uh, compliant young, uh, you know police officers now that'll whatever you say and and they'll goose step all the way across your head they don't care they got to get paid as monica crowley said doctors nurses pilots flight attendants military personnel teachers all being fired and general milley still has his job which is 
kind of amusing. Um, speaking of that, we'll get to the hearing here when we get back. We'll do Gates first. And then I want you to hear from Representative Bacon. Jim Banks today was fantastic as well. Um, Waltz, who I think is from Florida, was excellent too. Mike Johnson was good. We've got some Saki clips to get to. Jen Psaki was asked about Biden's poll numbers just absolutely tanking. And, um, well, you're going to, I'll bet her reason for why they're tanking, I'll bet you could believe it, but it wouldn't have been high on your list of reasons if, if I was to ask you. So you'll be interested in that too. So, all right, any other news, Paul? Mm, we'll save it. All right, all right, all right, hold on. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. We have a crazy town to get to. Yeah, Speaking we- of the border, it's a good time to do it since you were just talking about the border agents and what's going on. Um, crazy town, G. This is this is the essence of crazy town right here. Fire it up. Uh, let me pronounce to my friends that the border is both sovereign and secure. It is obviously subjected to biased and unfair narratives for political purposes. She's from Texas. Oh, she's from Texas. Holy! Chip Roy had a response that I don't. I don't have time to play it. But Chip Roy had a response to that crazy town, not to that crazy, but to that. I mean, that's crazy town right there. The border is sovereign and secure, according to Representative Sheila Jackson. <laughs> All right, Matt Gates. When we get back. Thirteen to the hour, live from Studio Six B on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's here with the news. Rick uh, Delgado's here. Rick Amarani's going to have sports here coming up in a second. Geo Fran holding it down. We'll get to Representative Gates here uh, in the hearing in a second. Uh, Rick Amarani told me he was going to be off tonight, but then of course got bullied into being here from the um, from the audience members, and he drove all the way to the studio to yeah. run in here and be here by eight thirty. Did you leave your event early? No, the event wrapped up at 8. I went outside. I had a number of Twitter messages. People are like, how am I supposed to go out my night? I was like, I felt guilty. I said, let me come and be here for Studio <laughs> 6B. Plus, right. I missed you guys. So I love we, being with you guys We may night. have uncovered here. Paul, hang with me here. See what you think of this. Delgado, what do you think of this? Geofran, listen to <laughs> So if go. you knew you were going to be done by 8.30, why did you uh, tell me that you needed the whole two hours off? I figured I didn't want to disrupt your flow. You said, listen, we don't want to do much sports tonight. We got a lot of clips to get to. We left like 40 clips on the floor last night, so I didn't want to, you know, jack you, you up with you sports. You didn't know that. You didn't know that when you told me. Do you guys see where I'm going here? You didn't know that when you told me you needed the whole night off. Yeah, well, it was due for a night. Hey, oh, D, how about see? those Cowboys, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, he, he do you, have, an, do you have any sports a, he, you want to do? 
Um, yeah, I can give you some quick Major League Baseball scores. We you know we got the pennant race heating up here. So we got uh, real quick Nationals and Rockies tied zip zip, end of the seventh. Pirates and Cubs tied at one, bottom of the sixth. Red Sox 3 nothing over the Orioles. Red Sox looking to get that last wild card spot there. Yankees trail the Blue Jays 5 to 2. I guess the Turtles not kicking in tonight. That's top of the sixth, but you know the Yankees, they could come back. Mets 2 zip over the Marlins. This season is done anyway. And uh, Braves 3 1 over the Phillies, bottom of the fourth. And Twins 3 1 over the Tigers. The only other game that means something is Brewers lead the Tigers one zip out of the fourth right now big day okay very good uh Matt Gates today uh had his shot at Millie and um here's how it went roll it February 26 2020 House Armed Services Committee General Mark Milley we know we're not going to defeat the Taliban militarily and they're not going to defeat the government of Afghanistan militarily you really blew that call didn't you General I believe that that was a issue of strategic stalemate and that if we had remained in Afghanistan uh, with the advisory levels of effort, then the government of Afghanistan... Well, that's, that's an interesting Afghan answer to a question. Forces. It's just not one I asked. You spent more time with Bob Woodward on this book than you spent analyzing the very likely prospect that the Afghanistan government was going to fall immediately to the Taliban, didn't you? Not even close, Congressman. Oh, really? Because you said right after Kabul fell that no one could have anticipated the immediate fall of the Ghani government. When did you become aware that Joe Biden tried to get Ghani to lie about the conditions in Afghanistan? He did that in July. Did you know that right away? I'm not aware of what President Biden You're not aware of the phone call that Biden had with Ghani where he said, whether it is true or not, we want you to go out there and paint a rosy picture of what's going on in Afghanistan. You're the chief military advisor to the president. You said that the Taliban was not going to defeat the government of Afghanistan militarily, which, by the way, they cut through him like a hot knife through butter. And then the president tries to get Ghani to lie. When did you become aware of that attempt? Well, there's two things there, Congressman, if, if I may. One is what I said was the situation was stalemate. And if we kept advisors with there, the government of Afghanistan and the army would have Still been there. That's what I said. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But it seems wrong now. With well, Alabama we withdrew all the advice. Secretary, Secretary Austin, are you capable of assessing whether another has the will to fight? No, we're not. And uh, that's the point that the chairman made earlier. So. That's just like an incredibly disappointing thing for the Secretary of Defense to simply say, I can't assess whether someone has the will to fight, but it is consistent with your record. I mean, during the Obama administration, I think they gave you about $48 million to go train up some folks in Syria to go take on the Assad government. And I think your testimony was that only four or five survived first contact with the enemy. So what confidence should this committee have in you or should the country have in you when you've now confessed to us and whether it's the swing and a miss in Afghanistan that General Milley talked to the Senate about yesterday, total failure, or whether it was your failures in Syria, you don't seem capable to look at a fighting force and determine whether or not they have the will. Well, Is recall, that an embarrassing You recall, Congressman, that uh, the end result was a, a, uh, uh, the SDF that we stood up that was very, very instrumental in turning the, the, the tide of, uh, of, of battle up in Syria. Oh, yeah. Tur turned it so much. You've got Assad in power in Syria. You've got the Taliban in power in Afghanistan. I mean... Where have you been? The focus was the focus was ISIS, Congressman, and we and, and those forces uh, had significant uh, effect on on the well, ISIS it, network. It just seems like you're chronically bad at this, and you have admitted <laughs> that, I guess, which is to your credit. 
But, you know, when, <laughs> when people in the military, like Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, stand up and demand accountability, when they say that you all screwed up, when they point out that General Milley's statement that the, tali you know, that, that the government of Afghanistan is not going to get defeated by the Taliban, well, he ends up in the brig. And you all end up in front of us, and your former employer Raytheon ends up with a lot of money, and we have poured cash and blood and credibility into a Ghani government that was a mirage. It fell immediately. And while the guy sitting next to you was off, you know, talking to Phil Rucker and was off doing his thing with Bob Woodward, we were buying into the big lie. The big lie that this, that this was ever going to be successful and that we could ever rely on the Afghanistan government for anything at all. You know, General Mill, you kind of gave up the game earlier when you said you wanted to address elements of your personal conduct that were in question. We're not questioning your personal conduct. We're questioning in your official capacity going and undermining the chain of command, which is obviously what you did. You, you've created this whole chain. Did not undermine the chain narrative. of command and yeah, you did. You absolutely Congress. did. And it, did not. Well, you know what? You said yesterday that you weren't going to resign when senators asked you this question. And I believe that you guys probably won't resign. You seem to be very happy failing up over there. But if we didn't have a president that was so addled, you all would be fired. Because that is what you deserve. You have let down the people who wear the uniform in my district and all around this country. And you're far more interested in what you're perception is and how people think about you in insider Washington books than you care about winning. Gentlemen's this time has expired. Of doing. Ooh, Bob Bowen. Wow. No wonder why they put out those uh, stories about him being a child trap, right? That story went away when his father had all the evidence, right? right? Yeah. Anybody who's a, anyone who's got breasts, you know what, who stands up to guys like this, they immediately get slammed. And remember, D originally go, I don't know. You said, D, you said uh, he seemed he Gates might be a bad guy. <laughs> we never had a retraction well, from I, you. I didn't, I didn't say bad guy. I just said that they, uh, some of the electronic payment stuff that they came up with look, didn't look good. Still doesn't look good. I don't know what the end result of it is. If it was been, bad, but. he would have been in jail by now. Yeah. That's true, but that's uh, that was I've, tough. I've never seen a, a general get bad. dressed awesome? down like that, huh? Yeah, that was Oof. incredible. That was a guy who's absolutely fearless. Yeah, I mean, you keep failing upward. Yeah, <laughs> are you kidding me with that? That was that great. was great. And a, and a president that is so addled. Oh, that is. <laughs> you might as well have just called them a cuck. That was Good great. God, well, that was brutal. I'll tell you the other interesting thing that came out today in Axios. And I'm sure there's a lot of this going on, a lot of throwing people under the bus. Axios came out with a thing today. That the title of it was Scoop. Millie now, blunt private, um, blame in private now is blaming the State Department for everything. In a classified briefing with senators on Tuesday, Chairman Mark Milley directly blamed the State Department for the botched evacuation from Afghanistan, saying officials waited way too long to order the operation out of Kabul's airport, two sources with direct knowledge of the briefing yesterday. Now, this is after the public briefing that we showed you clips from. They went into a private, closed, classified briefing. And now the private remarks from Milley, supposedly, after the public testimony, uh, is leaking now that this is what he's doing. So now he's pointing the finger directly at the State Department which in essence means he's pointing in at um, Tony Blinken and Joe Biden, basically the two of them.
Biden for not listening to the to the uh, recommendations and Blinken for just having no clue uh, at all about anything. How many people are there? How many people are still there? What we're doing? So he he now he's just now it's throw the bus everybody under the bus time. <laughs> See everybody's in CYA mode officially. <laughs> Hour 2, live from Studio 6B, 9 o'clock on the East Coast. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus, Channel 1029. Paul's here with the news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Emirati's here. Going to maybe do some sports. Uh, GeoFran here as well. We'll get back to the hearing. I want to get to Representative Bacon, and then we'll get to Chairman Adam Smith, who just... Well, I mean, was about one step away from crying or, or whining or, or some mixture of the two as he couldn't jump in quick enough to try to um, play play um, like he was Joe Biden's father. Like, what's his name said to him? Do you, th- you, you think you're their, their, their daddy? And what's his name <laughs> say that the other day? The guy from Louisiana, the crazy guy, when he was talking to the Fed chairman. He said, do you think, or he's talking to Gensler. Right. You think they're your, your, that's what this guy thought. He couldn't jump to Biden's def, uh, defense quick enough to try to explain what, you know, like a, we, we don't, we all can't hear or and watch video. He has to interpret it for us. So we'll get to that in a second. Um, I want to remind you to uh, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, Parler, Getter, Rumble. We're on all of it. Make sure you visit our friend Mike Lindell at MyPillow.com. Get those sheets, those pillows, those towels. He's running all kinds of specials right now. 66% off our, with our code LFS6B. And there's other specials he's running right now as well that you can use our code and get as well. So uh, MyPillow.com. And at checkout, use our code LFS6B for up to 66% off at uh, MyPillow.com. So Representative Bacon, who I'm not as familiar with, um was he, he in footloose he had no that was his um long lost cousin kevin okay. this is not i don't believe kevin um he had his five minutes today and then i'll show you what happened after his five minutes with the chairman here so here's representative bacon roll that joe milley uh, you uh said today that you saw this as a strategic failure as a 30-year veteran and uh someone who's been deployed four times myself and i haven't served as long as the third three of you but it breaks our heart. And I think most veterans feel heartbroken knowing that the blood and the treasure spilt was ended up in a strategic failure. I think we're enraged by it. Then to have the president come out and say that this was a success and he had no regrets, that does not break our heart. That makes us mad as hell that he would say it that way. So I want to say that up front. Secondly, the fact that President Biden on ABC said that no one that he can recall advised him to keep a force of about 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. It's not true. We heard yesterday, we've heard today 
that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and the CENTCOM commander advised differently. I have no other view to, to see this as a lie, a, false, a falsehood from our president. That makes us mad as hell too. Thirdly, I think it's important to point out that this committee, for well over a year, cautioned both presidents against a premature withdrawal from Afghanistan. In fact, Republican and Democratic members of both the House and Senate were so concerned at the risk of a calendar-based withdrawal that we passed a law to prevent it. In fact, the chairman of this committee voted for it when it restricted President Trump. Section 1215 of the 2021 NDA prohibited any president, regardless of political party, from drawing down below 2,500 troops until the Secretary of Defense, in consultation with the Secretary of State and the DNI, provided Congress a detailed plan explaining how the U.S. would continue to conduct counterterror operations in Afghanistan following U.S. withdrawal. How would the U.S. conduct an orderly transition security functions to the Afghan military? And how would the U.S. protect Americans who remained in country? And how would the U.S. coordinate any such withdrawal with our NATO allies? In short, every single failure that we are now witnessing, Congress warned against in writing in a law over a year ago. But after taking office, President Biden, I'm referring to, wrote to the Biden, we wrote to the Biden administration reminding them that it was not permitted to go below 2,500 until it provided assurances to Congress that our vital interests could be secured. Despite clear congressional content, intent, backed by statute, this did not happen. The day after taking office, the newly confirmed Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, Colin Kyle, wrote to the members of this committee essentially stating that President Biden was smarter than Congress, was confident he had all the angles covered, and believed it was not in the national interest to provide Congress with the assurances required in Section 1215. And Mr. Chairman, I ask unanimous consent to enter this letter into the record. Without objection, so ordered. Okay, my first question here, General McKenzie, I think one of the reasons that the Afghan forces crumbled much quicker than we ever assessed was that we pulled most of our air cover, we yep. took the mechanics away, from the Afghan forces, and we pulled out a lot of our logistics capabilities. Do you see this as underlying reasons why the Afghan forces collapsed? I think all of those reasons contributed to why they collapsed. Should it even surprise us when we take away most of our air power that they were used to having, that they would just pull the rug out from underneath them, General? Well, my position all along has been if you, if you go to zero, if you go to a state where you're not going to be able to maintain their forces on the ground, that a collapse is inevitable. I have to further say I did not see it coming as fast as it did. I so thought it would be coming. a matter of into the fall or into the winter. I did not see it happen in 11 days in August. Thank you. General Milley, uh, I appreciate your, well, your candor about this being a strategic failure. How does this embolden al-Qaeda, ISIS, and how does, what does it do to Russia, China, and Iran, seeing how we responded in this retreat? I think the Taliban sitting in Kabul significantly emboldens the radical jihadi movement globally. Um, the analogy I've used with many others is it, it likely will put a shot of adrenaline into their arm. Uh, their grandfathers defeated the Soviet Union in the war in Afghanistan many, many years ago. Uh, and they are taking this on their own networks right now and de declaring it a major victory. So I think it's a big morale boost. Uh, I think it remains to be seen. I, I think the Russians are quite scared, uh, not scared, I guess concerned, uh, of, uh, uh, of uh, terrorists coming across the borders into their near abroad. Uh, China is very complicated. Uh, they've got a significant issue in their western uh, hemisphere, or in their western part of their country. 
Um, I think Iran now has to deal with a very complicated issue on their border that may or may not be friendly. Gentleman's time has expired. Thank you, Drum only I yield. And I do want, want, want to make a comment because right, I actually stop. watched. Hold it for a second. <laughs> okay, now stop. I, I did, did. Okay, so first of all, Representative Don Bacon, as he said, 30-year veteran served this country. Is there anything about that line of questioning that's not honest and truthful and just seems like it's coming from the heart? He's break, almost breaking down. Yeah, as he talks yeah. about his brothers in arms and thinks about uh, the military that he served in, the country he served, and put his life on the line and went overseas. Or where, I mean, I don't know exactly. I thought where he, he went served, easy on him. I thought he was. I thought that was classy. Respectful. I thought that was dignified, respectful. I, I got to be honest with you. I was really impressed by how gracious and graceful that was in a time of such utter sadness, anger, rage, horror, defeat. Yeah, he. he, he I thought he left out one part. Which I think was important to uh, to keep in mind is that the the Afghan forces they were also driven by money. We paid them a lot, so once that money was starting to get cut off, they weren't going to show up either. And, and again, this goes back to their culture. These people live in tribes. They're they're not they're not all oh, you know they're not like we are. They're not like you know very unified under one flag. They're unified under their 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 tribes under their groups. That's how they that's how they see themselves. Yeah. So now, gee, do I, did I leave this in this clip? Because I thought 77 was the next part of this, or did you just run them back to back? Okay, so forget this and go to 77. So, so after that happened, now you, we've all watched a lot of things that happen in Congress, a lot of these committee hearings, even when there's things that one part, obviously one party rules the, the committee, the other party is, you know, but everybody gets their time and the chairman is just supposed to keep order, recognize one, recognize the other, recognize one. Very rarely, at least for the things that we pay attention to, do you see the chairman taking all of this personal time to jump in and play referee like, like this? So this is what happens right after Representative Bacon gets done. Roll that. Watched the George Stephanopoulos interview. This is the um, chairman this of the committee. With Joe, Joe Biden did not say that no one suggested that we should keep 2,500 troops. There. I read the quote. I, I have the time. It was my the quote. Moment. I have the time. Well, it's, it's, and what he said was you cannot have 2,500 troops stay there in a stable situation. So we should at least be accurate about what information was provided. I would urge everyone to go back and actually look at the words and not take what is being said here as accurate. Chairman, I read it the is, quote. I read it too, and I read it with a clear open vision of what he was saying, not with a bent to try and make sure that we could successfully have a partisan attack on him. He was asked, could they stay there in a stable environment? That is the option he said wasn't on the table, not because it wasn't offered, but because it Gee, didn't exist. Freeze this, freeze this <laughs> right there. This guy's out of his truth. Can you, can you can you pull up the thing from yesterday? We have it. The actual clip from little Georgie. Well, let's hear if he says the word stable. He very well me. I actually don't know, but we have the clip from yesterday. Okay, go ahead. When you look at what's happened over the last week, was it a failure of intelligence, planning, execution, or judgment? Look, I don't think it was a failure. Look, it was a simple choice, George. He starts to say, Taliban, I don't think it was a failure. Uh, oh, my God. Let me back and put it another way. Yeah, when you had the government of Afghanistan, the leader of that government, getting in a plane and taking off and going to another country, when you saw 
the significant collapse of the uh, Afghan troops we had trained, up to 300,000 of them, just leaving their equipment and, and, and taking off. That was, you know, I'm not, this, it, it, that, that's what happened. That's simply what happened. So the question was, in the beginning, the, the threshold question was, do we commit to leave within the time frame was set, we extended it to September 1st, or do we put significantly more troops in? I hear people say, well, you had 2,500 folks in there and nothing was happening. You know, there, there wasn't any war, but guess what? The fact was that the reason it wasn't happening is the last president negotiated a year earlier that he'd be out by May 1st and that in return there'd be no attack on American forces. That's what was done. That's why nothing was happening. But the idea, if I had said, I had a simple choice. If I had said, we're going to stay, then we better be more troops But in. your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. No, they didn't. It was split. That, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. They didn't tell you that they wanted troops to stay? No, not, at, not in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame, all troops. They didn't argue against that. So no one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. Okay. The only person that said the word stable was right there at the end, little Georgie. He's the, he's the only one. At <laughs> no time did Biden said, well, it's under a stable situation. We, there was no question posed that, with stable means. situation. Yeah. But, but Smith did say that. Did Smith said that he was asked about a stable situation. So, but let's be honest. That's a stretch. That's, right, a, let, that's let's, a stretch. Let's let's hit the commercial. Then we'll go back to Committee Chairman Smith in his defense of Biden. We'll go back to that clip in a second. Wow. All right, live from Studio Six B on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in. More from the uh, hearing today. Trying to give you as much time to get away from your dinner time as possible, so you can hold your food down when I play you Liz Cheney. And uh, we'll do some sake. And uh, the debate for governor in Virginia last night. Play a clip from that as well. Live from Studio 6B. We're back right after this. Studio 6B, 17 past the hour on a Wednesday night. So let's get back to um, Chairman Adam Smith. So Representative Bacon got done. And let's just start from the beginning, G, so we can hear this one more time. Here is the committee chairman taking it upon himself to inject himself into Representative Bacon's line of questioning and his assertion of the Stephanopoulos piece, which we just watched. So you can decide who you think has it closer. One more time, G, roll that. I do want to, want, to, want to make a comment because I actually watched the George Stephanopoulos oh, you interview you um, before this did? hearing with Joe. Joe Biden did not say that no one suggested that we should keep 2,500 troops. There. I read the quote. I, I have the time. It was my quote. Moment. I have the time. Well, it's, it's, and what he said was, well, uh, you uh, cannot have 2,500 troops stay there in a stable situation. He did not. He so did we should not at say least that. be accurate about what information was provided. We I just urge everyone it. to go back and actually look at the you words and not lying. take what is being said here as accurate. Chairman, I read it the is, quote. 
I read it too, and I read it with a I clear, open it. vision I of what he was saying, so just, not with just watch how to this try and make sure that watch. we could successfully have a partisan attack on him. He was asked, could they stay there in a stable environment? That is the option. He said it wasn't on the table, not because it wasn't offered, but because it didn't exist. And while we're ripping apart these three gentlemen here, I want to remind everybody that the decision the president made was to stop fighting a war that after 20 years it was proven we could not win. There was no easy way to do that. If he Mr. Just Chairman, kept, I believe that General Bacon was clear if he had and just to be defended. I Thank will you. be happy to yield Mr. Rogers' time when I am done. He's okay. snooty. Yeah. What he made clear was we needed to stop fighting a war that for 20 years, we've had these conversations over and over again. Democrats bash on the Republican president more than they bash on the Democratic presidents. Republicans bash on the Democratic presidents more than they bash on the Republican presidents. But the end result was the same. 20 years of an endless series of decisions by very intelligent, very capable, very committed people any implication that the three gentlemen in front of us are not very capable, very intelligent, and very committed to this country is simply partisan political opportunism. We can look at 20 years, pick your favorite general, pick your favorite president, pick your favorite leader, okay? None of them could successfully do what so many members of this committee are sitting here telling these gentlemen that they're basically idiots for not being able to do. We should pause for just a moment pause. and think about the fact that maybe <laughs> that's the wrong argument. Maybe the mission itself was really hard to achieve. And what President Biden said is we're done. We're not going to have these hearings anymore. We're not going to have the funerals anymore. We're not going to lose the service members fighting a war that it is clear we cannot be successful. And we all pick nits on this decision or that decision. Why didn't you say this? Why didn't you do that? 20 years of a whole lot of different people leading has you know, led us to just this Just hold point. on one second, G. You know, uh, why, even, why, we why do we have this committee when we have a know-it-all here that chairs yeah. it? What do we need to do? What do we have the hearing for? What, did, everybody, we, did anyone know that we had the know-it-all of all, of all um, a-holes here that knows everything? <laughs> Well, I feel way more comfortable to know we have this pompous know-it-all yeah. running the show because now I feel so much better about the bureaucracy. Yeah. And it's good I to know too. that he thinks that the, the, our military couldn't have, couldn't have whatever defining won the war means. Uh, yeah, we could have won it if we tried to win and turn the thing to glass. Yeah. <laughs> just, we could have easily won. We could have won and sold any government, any bank in there we wanted. And, and we bought, but they don't want to win. This is all strategic global planning. Yeah. I mean, this is all about getting the go ahead, Rick, but no, go ahead. I was going to say, this is all about the partnerships with China and, and, and the, and then the one road, you know, uh, belt initiative. This is what this is all about. It's all about a strategic piece of land. They just forfeited over to China for the, for the Chinese commerce to come in and, and just, Get all the lithium, and now we're going to have the green energy solved, and China's going to make a pile doing it. It's a joke. Yeah. It's a joke. They act like they don't, they act like they're, they're so, it's just insanity that nobody sees this. This is a scam. Especially what this guy is saying. Oh, we, a war we couldn't, we won that thing in, the, in, a, in a couple months. The war part was actually over in a couple months. We barnstormed them. 
And then it became this, hey, let's bring them into the uh, 20th century, get them out of their tribes, let's build them some schools, let's get them to, you know, uh, take on democracy, let's get their fingers all inked up so they can vote. Uh, These people don't want that. That's why they live there. They live in tribes for a reason. That's that's what actually failed, not the fighting part. The fighting part, we destroyed them. It wasn't even it wasn't even a fair fight. Everybody right. the, knew it. The nation building, the right. cultural changes, all that's what just was yeah. not happening. That's where it all that's where it all spirals into. And, and when I, I think it was Gates who said, you know, your pals at Raytheon, you know, made all their money, and it's just like, wow, somebody said it. On, on the House floor, out loud. And then you've got this guy who's defending the president because, <laughs> you know, it, it was it's shut up. I mean, this is so out of place. for. I mean, I, I can't remember a committee chair taking this much time in between uh, questions of the witnesses to go on this kind of diatribe, this kind of partisan diatribe. It's unbelievable. It's, it's not, this is about you know, to unravel even more, by the way. No. Go ahead. And we said we're going to stop. Mr. Chairman, this this is inconceivable. They're bringing the war here. The war is not over. It's coming to America. The funerals are here, Mr. Chairman. And we count on you and your leadership and these generals to know the war is not over. It is clear the point of order. Mr. Chairman, we're not done with this war. The point is... Yes, we are going to have to continue to contain this threat. And 20 years no of mistakes is an excuse Having for the US failure of the withdrawal. Afghanistan was not succeeding. Mr. Chairman, point I of order. I have to make that point. Mr. Rogers is the ranking member on the committee, and I will give him the time to respond. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I did note the Stephanopoulos interview, and, and I disagree with your interpretation. <clears throat> Mr. Stephanopoulos came back and asked him again. So you're saying that nobody... Uh, advise you to leave the troops, and that was his response. But I think the general officers here and the secretary have made it very clear that they gave the president advice that he wouldn't listen to. Uh, the last president, they gave him advice, and he did listen to it. So, I mean, I, I'm not challenging, and I have not in any way disparaged these great gentlemen. In fact, in my opening remarks, I made it abundantly clear I don't want them shouldering blame for what happened in this withdrawal when it was the administration and the State Department and National Security Advisor. And with that, I'll yield uh, a minute to... uh, So Mike Rogers tried to get a little something in there. But, I mean, that is so off the rails for a committee chair, in my estimation, to do that. And it wasn't the only time he did it. It wasn't the only time he did it. He did it throughout the hearing. Other people would question. He didn't like the line of questioning. He would jump in to defend. It was, it was unbelievable. He did it the whole afternoon. He just couldn't keep himself out of it. So uh, I've got Representative Jim Banks. I think he did it for him. He did it after, I believe, Mike Johnson as well. We've got that. Uh, we've got some Saki stuff to get to. Let's just quickly get to Terry McAuliffe. It's kind of off topic, but I have time to play it. I won't have time anywhere else to play it. So the, the, the run for, for governor of Virginia was uh, between Yunkin and McAuliffe was last night. Chuck Todd was the bipartisan um, <laughs> uh, host questionnaire. This is one of the moments that happened last night. Roll that. What we've seen over the course of the last 20 months is our school systems refusing to engage with parents. In fact, in Fairfax County this past week, 
We watched parents so upset because there was such explicit, sexually explicit material in the library they had never seen. It was shocking. And in fact, you vetoed the bill that would have informed parents that they were there. You believe school systems should tell children what to do. I believe parents should be in charge of their okay. kids' education. Mr. McCullough, 30 seconds. Now listen to this. So first of all, this shows how clueless Glenn Youngkin is. He doesn't understand what the laws were because he's never been involved here in helping Virginia. But it was not. The parents had to write to veto bills, veto books, Glenn, not to be knowledge about it, also take them off the shelves. And I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually take books out and make their own decision. You vetoed it. So, yeah, I stopped the bill that I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. Okay, so that's, you would think. My fear. You, you would think that'd be game over right there for the, this governor race. All right, 30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Let's do a little news and hear what that is. Paul Nolan, what's going on, Mr. Nolan? Well, I just want to thank the uh, Telegram group. D, you've been impressed. They're up to uh, 838 uh, members there. The who? The Telegram group. Telegram's a... <laughs> what, is, what is that? Where are they located? That's a social media platform it's, there, yes. Damon. It's Telegram. Like, it's like the Facebook yeah. thing. But Do we have an official Live from Studio 6B Telegram page? No, but we no. have a group of people there, and they're oh. lots of fun. Okay. And they're well, entertaining. That, that almost reminds me of the Discord group called An Army of Frogs. They're a big fan base, too. Nice. Okay. Army of Frogs. I like yep. that. Army of Frogs. I like Shout frogs. That's on Discord, and... right? Yeah. Yeah. EG runs that, I believe. Or he's, he's a gold piece. That well, we love the live from Studio yeah. 6B audience, no matter where they are. And they're uh, active and involved. And that's good, wherever they are. Yeah. I've never been on Telegram my entire I have no idea what it is. Honestly, there's so many social media platforms. Everything's so scattered. It's, it's, it's a disaster. It's... Fran, have you ever been on Telegram? No, I believe that died out in the 1800s, right? Okay. Uh, G-O-U? No? Okay. <laughs> I haven't either. I don't know it, but I'll check it out. If, Paul, you want to send me a link to our Telegram group, I'll definitely check it out. That'd be Go my pleasure, hello. Big D. All right, do it. Did you That'd know Wisconsin group. senators sponsor a bill that would ban vaccine mandates? As a segue along. Uh, Ron Johnson unveiled new legislation Wednesday that would block federal vaccine mandates by utilizing the interstate commerce clause of the Constitution. Johnson was joined by some of his colleagues from the House and Senate who wished to co-sponsor the bill. In a statement, Johnson explained why he sponsored the bill and what impacts it may have on the nation. He said, the Biden administration's decision to mandate vaccines for working Americans is an outrageous trampling of civil liberties and dangerous precedent for what the U.S. president can unilaterally oppose on the American public. The American people deserve transparency and as much information as possible from the federal government so they may have an informed choice about their own health. The bill is titled Prevent Unconstitutional Vaccine Mandates for Interstate Commerce Act. So once again, we're uh, seeing, getting a little fight back here. Well, that's where we need to see it on the state level for sure. Um in these state legislatures and these governorships. That's why that race in Virginia would be an important one, by the way, for Yumkin to win. I don't think there's anyone else that uh, has a chance that I believe. Although somebody wrote me on Twitter and said you should take a look at... Uh, there was somebody else that's running. I can't remember her name. But they said she's a more solid conservative than Yumkin is. 
but I don't know what the poll. I don't know what the polling shows. But she wasn't at the debate. I don't believe. Yeah, I, th- I think actually Yunkin has a little bit of a lead. Well, I, I mean, you guys didn't comment. We didn't have a lot of time and played that clip. I mean, if you're a parent in Loudon, if you're in, if you're a parent down there, and the guy running for governor said, you know, I don't really care what you think. Give me your kids, and you're not going to tell us, and you don't worry about what we're teaching them behind closed. How do you vote for that guy? I mean, do these people have a do they have a line in the sand anywhere that a, that a, something is too much? That no, that's not acceptable. Where is the line for some of these people? Yeah, it's like telling your boss, you know what? I'll tell you when I'm coming into work. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, I'm going to take a two hour lunch every day. Yeah, right. That doesn't work. You know what? Um, the parents pay for the school, so they get us. They get the say, not a say. They get the say. I think. I mean, how is that not game over for him? How does he survive a comment like that? Well, it's fixed. Yeah, and he's got the rigged media just completely pumping his tires. You know mm-hmm. how it works. They propaganda, propaganda, more propaganda. I mean, it should be a blowout in a, in, in, on a fair playing field, but the, you know everything's so lopsided and rigged. You know, it's it's you know it's like trying to move a rock up a big giant rock up a big tall hill. Well, I don't know if it would be a blowout, no matter what. That that part of the country has turned more and more blue and blue and blue over that used to be. It used to be no doubt about it, red, and now it's especially Loudoun County specifically that area. Yep, it's not reliable red anymore. As a matter of fact, it's it's reliably blue, which yeah. is why McAuliffe and now this nitwit they got the governor Northam there is that's what you got. Well, that's of course unless they decide to actually do an audit and see who really won that that state. We'll see, because remember Trump had a big lead in that state and all of a sudden it vanished. Woof! Wonder how that happened. Yeah. But don't get me started. All right. What else in the news, Paul? So the Biden vaccine mandates causing another pandemic, hospital staff shortages. Uh, the Biden administration's COVID-19 vaccine mandate for healthcare workers at facilities receiving Medicare and Medicaid funding, in addition to statewide vaccine requirements, are causing hospital staff shortages across the country as those who are unvaccinated are forced to leave their jobs. These shortages are forcing some hospitals to shut down and scale back on healthcare services like delivering babies. In at least one known case, hospital rooms aren't receiving clean linens and the cafeteria is unable to serve hot food because of the staff shortages. Brownfield Regional Medical Center in Texas may close down if the federal vaccine mandate is enforced because so many staff will have to be fired. Uh, pro- approximately 20 to 25 percent of my staff will have to go away if that's the case. Jerry uh, Jasper, the CEO of Brownfield Regional Medical Center, the hospital cannot afford to lose its Medicare and Medicaid money either since it makes up 80 to 85 percent of their funding. So uh, once again, what the government, you know, these people... Go down the same trap, right? Government has the right to give it. They have the right to take it away. And therein fundamentally has the problem. We don't have a free market capitalism. Once again, it's another example of central planners constantly taking control, giving money, fake money, printing money, fake, 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 dump it in, get hooked, need it. Then the, biz, the racket of the insurance companies, right? We see the whole entire big picture scam of it all, and now they're beholden to, to the state again. And it's uh, this is uh, this is the stuff Ron Paul was talking about, and you know, this is the stuff when we talk. You know, it's just it's just insanity. I mean, the whole system is just it's brutal. It's just brutal. Everybody's just so dependent on on Big Brother. Kevin um, Surdy. Who Surdy? It's at Surdy for Congress on Twitter. He's from Long Island, New York. 
He tweeted tonight, I'm an ER nurse on Long Island. I'm pro-vaccine and anti-mandate. In my department, four nurses either resigned or will be fired due to the mandates. 24 administrators have been fired. Another five were forced against their will to get the shot. This mandate is going to destroy hospitals. And it's true. Oh, boy. Maybe that's what they want. They want to know who who is going to comply and who isn't. All right, we, we identified you. You're the ones that don't listen. All right, target on your back, right? Who's the they and the they want to know? Well, you know, the powers that be, big government. They want to know who, they can, who they've got that they can control. They know who they can control. Anybody who, who just ran up and, you know, ripped open their sleeve and got the, got the jab no matter what, didn't ask questions, didn't, didn't want to know what was in it, uh, didn't, didn't, you know, do any research. Oh, oh, they said to do it. Okay, here I come. I can have my life back? Yeah, okay. Um, up until they say you can't have your life back because now you need a booster. Oh, well, now I'll run up and get the booster. At some point, somebody's got, one of these idiots has got to go, you know what, why, why do I have to keep doing this? Do you know that I believe I saw something that Dr. Fauci today changed the, um, to be qualified, by the way, is fully vaccinated. Now it includes the booster. Yeah. Sick. Move the goalposts again. Again, just keep yeah. on moving it. And then Point. what do you mean fully vaccinated when the Omega variant or whatever? This is, uh, is going to be an endless assault. Yep. It's just never going to end. My God. And, you know, if you read that, like I said, the Rockefeller Foundation report from 2011, they talk about when there's an uprising and there's fight back, that's when, the, you know, a more deadly variant will come out. So it's really frightening to think how bad this can truly get if you think about it and if you put your tinfoil hat on. And uh, by the way, while we're at it, a couple things I want to get to on COVID. Uh, one thing I, I posted on our social media on Twitter from MedRxIV, which is the preprint server for health sciences where a lot of these studies go in preprint form when they're done. This one came out, I believe, uh, what's the date on this? Is it today, 928? Yeah, yesterday. And you notice the headline. No, this is, um, where is this out of? Uh, it doesn't say. No significant difference in viral load between vaccinated and unvaccinated. Asymptomatic and symptomatic groups infected with SARS-CoV-2 Delta variant. Then it lists all the doctors there. You can see this preprint. Um, let, me, let me give you the abstract of this. You can put up the, um, the next one, G. We found no significant difference in the cycle threshold values between vaccinated and unvaccinated asymptomatic and symptomatic groups infected with SARS-CoV-2 Delta. Given the substantial proportion of asymptomatic vaccine breakthrough cases with high viral levels, interventions, including masking and testing, should be considered for all in settings with elevated COVID-19 transmission. So when you look at this, it's the one in the middle, symptomatic, that you want to look at. On the left is what fully vaccinated looked like. On the right is what not vaccinated looked like. It's almost exactly the same viral load. So your vaccine really did nothing for you. Unbelievable. Did absolutely nothing. Mm. So again, this just came out yesterday. No significant difference in viral load between vaccinated and unvaccinated when it comes to the Delta variant. So if you've been fully vaccinated with two shots and a booster or just two shots and not the booster yet, you carry as much of the virus and shed as much (laughs) of the virus as someone who's gotten done nothing. That's done nothing. It's amazing. 
And it led me, you know, I know we, we talked about certain platforms. You can't talk about vaccine stuff on Rumble. You can. And there's a guy I just watched today from back in July. He put this video out called Planet Lockdown. Look him up. Dr. Michael Yado. Um, Yadon, I should say. Y-E-A-D-O-N. He's a former Pfizer uh, yes, big I've, I've seen. Yeah. What's, you pronounced it wrong before. So that's why I didn't recognize it. What is it? Doctor, what, what, his name? Yeah. Um, Dr. Michael Yeadon. Yeah, okay. Y-E-A-D-O-N? Yeah. Yes, I've seen him. And the stuff he, he puts out, I mean, this, this thing, if you look it up, it's an hour long. It's going to take some of your time, but it's worth it. Just, just to hear what, what an actual scientist who, who basically says, hey, I'm not a propagandist, so I'm not very good at this. I probably won't reach many people, but this is what's going on, and this is what I think, and this, this is what the science actually says. And he talks about, you know, a lot of this stuff, uh, uh, how they're just not following the science. The science is not supporting the lockdowns, the masking. Not, he, he makes a point. He goes, none of this has ever worked before, so why would it work now for a virus? So here's the other piece of um, COVID news I want to bring to you, and this is really, this has got to be one. I, I don't know if this is a, one of these moments where it's just like, I read this article today. After everything that's been going on, Paul, listen up. I got you. <laughs> on Monday of this week, Pfizer announced that it is launching, this is two days ago, an accelerated phase two, phase three trial for a COVID prophylactic pill oh. designed to ward off COVID in those who may have come in contact with the disease. Interesting, right? Sounds yes, pretty that's good. terrific. Okay. Like plan Sign B. me up. Coincidentally, no, this is actually a good thing. No. Coincidentally, Pfizer's um, drug shares one mechanism of action with another drug that's recently been talked about a lot. Oh. Do you know what Pfizer is um, calling this drug? I swear to God, I'm not making this up. Come on. <laughs> Come on. It's pause for effect, Paul. Wait. Shh. They're going to call it Pfizer Mectin. <laughs> no, 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 no. Stop. No. Stop. No. Stop. No. No way. No. <laughs> Don't get horse around. Don't you put that ice cream down. From Reuters Science <laughs> put, News. Put in other news, Pfizer is now testing something that they've renamed PF 07321332 to help with COVID. I'll finish this one. I swear I'm not kidding. <laughs> no. When we get back. So Zero Hedge is where this article is. Pfizer launches final study for COVID drug that's suspiciously similar to horse paste. <laughs> Another piece of U.S. anti-ivermectin puzzle may have emerged. On Monday, Pfizer announced that it's launching an accelerated phase 2-3 trial for a COVID prophylactic pill designed to ward off COVID in those who have come in contact with the disease. Coincidentally, or not, <laughs> Pfizer's drug shares at least one mechanism of action as ivermectin, an antiparasitic used in humans for decades, which functions as a protease inhibitor 
against COVID-19, which researchers speculate could be the biophysical basis behind its antiviral efficiency. Lo and behold, now Pfizer's new drug, which some have now dubbed Pfizer-Mectin, is described by the pharmaceutical (laughs) giant as a potent protease inhibitor. Exactly the same thing. And they link to a, 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 a shot here. Uh, I don't know if this is from Pfizer's website or from the PR they put out. Pfizer initiates phase one study of novel oral antiviral therapeutic agent against SARS-CoV-2 protease inhibitor. And then they actually write in their abstract, ivermectin was found as a blocker of viral uh, replicas protease in humans. So they literally have an article. Uh, they have the um, screenshot of it on this article. So yeah, good, uh, good to know that um, all you got to do, we'll come, you know. Yeah. And they're also coming out with uh, phydrexychloroquine <laughs> yeah. as, well as, as well as fidesimir. Yeah, yeah exactly you right. Know, so, you yeah. know, it, it's good. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's do any other sports you want to do, Rick? Yeah, just one quick story, Big D. Former Olympic swimmer Cleet Keller pleads guilty to storming U.S. Capitol. This is an AP report from uh, <laughs> a little after 7 o'clock tonight. Um, so, uh, real quick. Let's get to this. Uh, Washington, five-time Olympic swimming medalist Klee Keller pleaded guilty Wednesday to a felony charge for storming U.S. Capitol during the January 6th riot and faces 21 to 27 months in prison. Keller acknowledged in court records that he tried to obstruct Congress certification of Joe Biden's uh, electoral college victory, brushed away officers who tried to remove him from the Capitol Rotunda, and yelled profane comments about House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and uh, Senator Majority Leader Chuck Schumer as he stood near officers wearing riot gear. He also acknowledged throwing away the distinctive U.S. Olympic team jacket he wore during the riot and destroying his phone and memory card containing photos and videos he took inside the Capitol. He pleaded guilty to obstruction of an official proceeding and agreed to cooperate with authorities as part of his plea deal. So, uh, the, you know, the great uh, Cleet, uh, you know, Kelly from uh, the Olympics, he won five gold medals, Big D. He won four in the 800-meter relay, and then he won two bronze medals uh, in 400. So, hey, you know, big famous, uh, you know, Olympian, and uh, well, he's going to plead guilty, but, you know, we'll see what happens with that we'll keep an eye see where that case turns out and Yankees tied it up 5-5 so the luck of the turtle is helping them against the Blue Jays and of course we don't forget out west Dodgers and Giants are in a dogfight uh, right now the Giants lead the Dodgers by two games uh, Giants are hosting the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks and um, the Dodgers are uh, let's see Dodgers have the Padres visiting them tonight in LA so uh, that game's going to go down to the wire either way both teams are in because uh, whether they win or lose one's going to end up with the wild card the other with the division and uh, understand Richard Sherman signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a cornerback, uh, and he signed a one-year deal. Richard Sherman, good to see him come back after that arrest and all that happened. And ironically, he used to troll Tom Brady, and they weren't the best of friends back in the day. Big rivals, so now they're getting together. And that's a wrap in Sports Big D. Thanks for the opportunity. Just back enough to uh, in time to uh, try to wear, win a ring. That's what it's all about. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Brady. about the ring. Brady will do yeah, whatever he, signed, he has to. And... Yeah, and he signed for, like, minimum wage, and you don't care because he's, you know, he's loaded. And yep. it's a perfect, you know, it's perfect fit. Go get the ring, baby. Go get the ring. Uh, anything else in the news you want to do, Just Paul? Just real quick, because we we're close to sports. Did you guys talk about NBA announced it's going to withhold pay from unvaccinated players who nope, missed games? Nope, that came out today. Yeah, yep. the NBA will withhold pay from players who are un- unvaccinated who miss a game this season as a result of COVID-19. According to The Hill, professional sports organizations adopted the new policy Wednesday night. Uh, any player who um, elects to not comply with the local vaccination mandates will not be paid for the games that he misses. Wow. Yeah, I read that it's New York and San Francisco. I don't know if it's the oh, whole shocking, league. shocking. But, uh, right. So it's uh, from the outside, they're going to crunch in. All right, okay, great. 
Now, yeah, I mean, jobs. there's obviously no way that can be in the contract that all these players have signed before any of this went down. How possibly can they get away with this? Where is the – how possibly could this be? This can't be in the contract. Yeah, I don't know. And what's surprising, too, is I don't think it's going to go very far. I think the players will stand together and say, no, we're all going to get paid. Yeah, where's the players' union on this, too? I mean, this this is a lot different than telling some business they have to whatever. I mean, these guys guys sign contracts with the unions involved with the league and the ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, all that stuff. I don't see how this could possibly stand. They may be following the science, Big D. Just tell us in the claw where the clause in the contract right. that says I I don't get paid because of uh, you right. pulling me out of the game. That's exactly right. The lawyers aren't going to care about the science. That's for sure. <laughs> no. So, um, all right, a couple things we didn't get to. We have a little time here, G. G this because this is really the moment of the briefing today that I just laughed out loud at. Saki was asked about Biden's poll numbers toileting every single day. <laughs> uh, here's what she said. Listen to the reason. Go ahead, G. Uh, the president's poll numbers on COVID have, have dropped. Uh, as well as concerned about that, how does it plan to address that issue, specifically because uh, having people trust his opinion on this is, uh, is a big question people follow public health guidelines? Well, we think it's more a reflection of people being sick and tired of COVID. Um, and um, tired, some of that is a reflection of people who are vaccinated being frustrated that there is still a percentage of the population are, who are not vaccinated, and that's impacting their daily lives. Uh, there was an assumption uh, several months ago before the rise of Delta that we would be over and through it back to normal at this point in time, and we're not. Mm-hmm. And that's frustrating, and that's impacting people. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, as the president has said many times, the buck stops with him. Uh, the way to solve it is to get continue to get more people vaccinated, sure. uh, get uh, people's lives returning uh, back to normal, and that's what we're working on every day. I mean, there's so much there, I don't even know where to start. (laughs) Mm. She says that it's a reflection of people being sick of COVID. Mm. People who have gotten all their vaccines Mm -hmm. are still angry because the people who haven't gotten vaccines, but the people who have got their vaccines (sighs) should be able to go about their life, right? Oh, well, no, they can't. Why? Because the vaccines don't work. Mm. They don't stop you from getting it. They don't stop you from carrying less of a viral load, as I just showed you as well. So then she says, well, we need to get more people back. Why? You just said that the people who are vaccinated can't go about their lives and they're angry. And that's why Biden's poll numbers are going down because people are just sick of COVID being around. So we got to get more people vaccinated. We'll take care of that. So here was the follow-up because even the media was confused on what she was trying to say. Roll that, Jay. Quick point of clarification in response to what you said to Chris when he asked you about the president's poll numbers in COVID. Yeah. You, you said that the way to solve it is to continue to get people vaccinated, get people's lives back to normal. That's what we're working on every day. Did you mean by that that's part of the way to bring the president's poll numbers up on that issue? Yeah. Okay. I mean, what we're talking about here is people's frustration around COVID and that they're still living through difficult times. Life is not, uh, you know, they're still worried about their kids going to school, they're worried about uh, vaccine requirements in workplaces and wanting to know that they're safe. They're worried about their grandparents. That's frustrating, that's hard, that's emotionally exhausting. We recognize that. The best thing we can do is to continue to plow ahead, work to get more people vaccinated, uh, more companies implementing mandates, uh, and, and do more to get the pandemic under control. That, that's like inanely stupid because <laughs> the, she's talking about people who have gotten vac- vaccinated. People who have gotten their shots fully. Yeah. And she's also talking about poll numbers. 
And then she's arguing, right, not only poll numbers, that the people who've gotten fully vaccinated <laughs> are frustrated because they can't go back to regular life. And somehow it has something not to do with the fact that the vaccines <laughs> don't work. work. <laughs> it's just that people oh have God. not also gotten vaccines that don't work. Right. I hear this stuff and, and I feel like I'm <laughs> drunk. And they're blaming the pre- – she's saying that because they're angry that they can't get their life back, they're blamed. that's why the poll numbers are down. Has nothing to do with the terrible job that he's doing on everything. No, no, no. It's because they're just frustrated with their life. Yeah, it makes sense okay. to me. And what? And if everybody was vaccinated, we'd still would be having all of the same issues with people still getting cases because they don't stop it. Crazy. I mean, I, I don't even know how you make sense of that. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks, Jeet. Thanks, Fran. Thanks to you, the live from Studio 6B audience, most of all. We'll see you on a Thursday night, 8 p.m. Right here, live from Studio 6B. We'll see you then.